Sustainability, I think, is something. Is a concept which believes in posterity. As At least I feel I look quite fashionable. <laughs> you, no, you definitely do. You should not hamper what the future generation is going to take. My style is such that it is classic. I feel the best gift that I have received recently. It's ironic because my wardrobe itself is made of plastic. Hello and welcome to Talking Pretty, where we're getting your conversations around fashion and sustainability. Hello and welcome to this episode of Talking Pretty. I'm Prerna and this is part 2 of our conversation with Aisha Barinblad, founder of global advocacy organization Remake. Aisha is a social entrepreneur with a passion for building sustainable supply chains that respect people and planet. With over 15 years of leadership experience, promoting social justice and sustainability within the fashion industry she founded remake to mobilize citizens to demand a more just transparent and accountable industry remake's flagship campaign no new clothes encourages consumers to reassess their relationship with clothes how they buy and how much they buy remake's free educational resources advocacy campaigns and accountability reports are focused on making fashion a force for good. Born and brought up in Karachi, Aisha now lives in San Francisco. We had the good fortune of catching up with her at a special event organized by us at Pretty As You Please, where we spoke to her about fashion sensibilities, the industry, climate justice, workers' rights, and why all of it matters, especially to us in South Asia. In part 1 we focused on workers rights and the people who make our clothes. In part 2 of our conversation along with Aisha we also spoke with Shivani Singh remake community organizer for South Asia and Drishti Modi founder of Lufani a homegrown sustainable fashion brand and also a remake ambassador. A conversation that wasn't just lively but brings to you some amazing insights into dressing more sustainably every day as well as for those special occasions a disclaimer since this has been taken from the recording of an event parts of the conversation have been edited to cover up for network glitches and to make it more suitable to a podcast while ensuring the dialogue stays true to its original nature where are your values who made my clothes what our clothes stand for what they mean to us fashion is a fantastic way to make that statement aisha you have rallied together an entire global movement where people are activists they are advocating for change at a whole different level and we have seen how that works whenever i see our community everyone is so fashionable first of all and and so passionate that's what keeps me going really remaking the connections in a truly human way really just having fun in the process as we come together so aisha Let's talk about your style. My own uh, wardrobe and how that's changed over the years. I will say the more you know, the almost the less you want to buy. You know, I have come to the conclusion that there really isn't truly a sustainable brand. There are brands that try and do better. Uh, 
but in many ways, growth and sustainability uh, work in the opposite direction. So the bigger a brand gets, especially once it becomes a publicly traded company, the supply chains become more opaque and the conditions get worse. So interestingly for me, at least, a solution that has worked is in the last five years, other than underwear and workout clothes, I only rent. Um, and, you know, there's a rent the runway here in California and San Francisco where I live. And so you can go in rather than sending emissions back and forth. And because I do a lot of public speaking, that sort of gives me a chance to refresh my wardrobe without having to buy. So it's one solution that does work. I do still have a lot of family in India, Pakistan. And so when I am able to go back and go to the tailor and get clothes made, those are the kinds of things I also cherish. But the thing that we really preach at Remake is also just letting go of the guilt, right? So much of our work is about locking arms with the labor movement, particularly the grassroots unions who are women-led in our part of the world, you know, whether it's petitioning for the accord or for wage theft. And so I think just letting go of the guilt of just being imperfect human beings when it comes to our shopping habits and spending more time on the bigger issues of how do we get fashion to care about climate and people is almost more interesting. Um, you look amazing. So I'm curious, what is your wardrobe like and how do you think about this? <laughs> Just to add, when you were talking about yours, the thing that was coming to mind was where your values. Literally. Well, my wardrobe actually is a lot of hand-me-downs and um, a lot of things that I have had for many years now. And I buy pre-loved when I do buy. Or I buy artisan-made uh, you know, traditional uh, garments, uh, traditional crafts. So um, there's a lot of saris. But again, most of them handed down from my grandmothers, my mother, mother-in-law. That's basically my wardrobe, you know. I think for me, our clothes need to tell stories. And I always keep talking about that. We need to have that emotional connect with your clothes. Only then can you move away from, you know, treating them as disposables. And you will value where the clothes came from. And part of what I'd also love to see as pre-love becomes normalized around the world, because we need that, as automation continues to come, is that garment makers are also a part of this new way of thinking about this industry. You know, my worry is that as we move from linear to circular, which is frankly not having happening fast enough, it is again the men who take these jobs rather than the women on the factory floor. Um, I, I'd say what's most timely is, you know, we are walking into what I think is one of the most fun parts of the remake campaign cycle, which is the summer of no new clothes. Um, and I think of this as a way of, you know, in the spring, we spent a very hard time and we continue to advocate for the accord. And so one of the things you can do outside of lending your voice to legislation is campaigns like the accord, because the more brands feel the pressure, the more they sign on. And that means more workers are safer, is that no new clothes, I think, is a very gentle way of trying to get more people into this conversation. I see a lot of people here who are, you know, very committed. And I don't know if you have this, but sometimes I feel in parties, people sort of moving away from me. It's like, oh no, 
there's that woman who's going to tell us, you know, all the horrible things in the fashion industry and make us feel bad about it. And, and I think the only way to bring more people along um, is to be very accessible and not to make people feel bad about their shopping choices. And so, you know, with no new clothes, people come in saying, well, I don't buy anything for 90 days because I think of it as a fashion detox, kind of like a food detox. Or, you know, we get to calculate how much carbon we're saving or how much money we're saving. And so it's an accessible way for anyone to say, I'm not going to buy something for 90 days, um, see what I can rewear, um, work together as a community on having these conversations. And I think a very gentle way of bringing others along. I'd be curious if people are willing to share, you know, what else has worked with you. I know that I do think sort of making people feel bad about their decisions or sort of shouting at them is going to get us nowhere. So it's almost sort of starting to have a different conversation around, well, what are the things that you value? And, you know, if you are worried about the planet or you care about women's rights, then our movement is for you and sort of gently really wearing your own values. So someone says, oh my gosh, you're so stylish. What is that? And you could say, you know what? It's actually pre-loved. So I'd be curious if people have other thoughts on what resonates, but certainly making people feel bad about their purchasing decisions will get you shut down really fast. No, I think I get to do this a lot. I think, no, you know, this is pre-loved. So, um, yeah. And you look amazing. So, you know, <laughs> when you look amazing and it's pre-loved, then people are like, oh, you know, and that mode starts to normalize. Um, no, I, yes, I think, and I had this conversation, lovely conversation with Pooja yesterday. And we were talking about, um, you know, being shamed for wearing pre-loved. Has that ever happened? And um, Aisha, you just mentioned how people hide from you at parties and things. And I have often he heard this said to me that, you know, oh, my God, how can you wear something that's been worn by somebody else? And I'm like, when you walk into um, the trial room of a store to buy brand new, do you know how many people have tried that before you? And at least when you bought something pre-loved, it's been washed, <laughs> you know, <laughs> This has not been washed. It's just being worn and taken off and worn and taken off by, we don't even know how many people before we go and buy it. So I don't know where that argument really goes. <laughs> Tell them that spoon you had used at that fancy restaurant was in someone's mouth. Lovely. <laughs> Hi, Shivani. I am trying. <laughs> so... So if you and Aisha had to wear like... One second, one Shivani, I, I just want to introduce you. Um, Shivani is a fantastic community organizer for South Asia. And actually, she's the one who's got this thing going. And thank you so much, Shivani. Uh <laughs> thank you so much for that. Wow, the fun question. If you and Aisha, like since you've, you've worked so much around the hand, love, like free love and, and artisan clothes, and, and you guys have been around clothes, like you know, not a lot of people have the exposure. So if you had to just pick one outfit for the rest of your life, what would it be? Aisha? So I have this little black dress that I bought almost 
20 years ago. And, you know, it's a very forgiving dress. I've had two children, so not all of my things from 20 years ago fit, but that one still fits. And I wear it all the time. And because it's black, I can have, you know, our beautiful shawls from South Asia that I can just wrap around. And in fact, I was just at a protest in New York, and I was then going to a dinner with some models afterwards that we're trying to bring into the movement. I was like, well, what does one wear from a protest? to a dinner and I wore that black dress because I had sort of a casual sweater at the protest and then I draped a very beautiful shawl from my mother's line who's actually a fashion designer and then I was dressed to go. So if I had to just pick one, it would be that little black dress of mine. Lovely. <laughs> I think my answer is a sari and um, it would be a white sari for sure because I have a thing for white saris. I just have lots and lots and lots of white saris, yes. The only thing I'm trying to think of is that if that's the only thing I have, I don't think, I mean, I probably feel like a, a Hindi serial heroine who goes to sleep with all her makeup and her sari and then makes up like that. But yeah, other than that little technicality, yeah, I think it would be definitely be a sari. Shivani, I'd wonder if you'd want to give one or two pro tips because not only have you been so amazing in growing our remake community across South Asia, but you also did this impossible task of thinking about a sustainable wedding. And I think in our culture, you know, that's where we see the waste and the sort of craziness of thinking of consumption and overdrive. And, and how did that resonate, particularly with the older generation? I think I was just lucky that everyone got convinced around the idea. It was impossible, but um, I mean, as activists as we are in our own lives, our parents, our people around are used to our creative ways. Like they don't, they kind of, they kind of have accepted that this something's gonna come up which we're not gonna agree to. But um, but for a simple fact that I didn't want to like plastic flowers, which is very easily available and so simple and so. Um, you know, cost effective, and and I said, okay, we can't afford very big flowers. We're gonna go just with marigold, and only what was available at the season. I got married in January, so Rajni Gandha and marigold. And my parents were stunned, and they were like, "Are you sure? Like, this is all you're gonna do?" And I said, "Yeah, I mean, it's okay." So those um with um so you can just try to keep as local as you are wherever you are whatever you can source just use those i i live in gurgaon but i got married in ranchi so uh, not as many resources available in smaller towns so that's like first secondly i ensured that everything that i was gifting i i said no plastic no matter how like it's going to be a little two times or three times expensive than the cheap poly bag but um every bag and and every product, everything that we gave to everybody as a present or that we used, we got the names of those people who made those products written in it. And we put by those women herself. You know how when, when the women are men making those garments, they kind of save their names to keep their calculations. I never took them off. And when I gave everybody, I did tell them about a little bit about the impact of the lady or the men who made those bags or products or uh, zip, anything like small giveaways. I ensured that they were made from um, anybody directly, gift hampers, um, specific, specifically, or um, sweets. I didn't get packet sweet. I didn't get the Haldiram or the Bikaner sweets, but I got my local Halwai to sit and it took a lot of <laughs> effort in packaging it well. That worked and there were a lot of like small, small, small trips. So I guess everyone can just see what resonates, what work cost-wise, what their families agree to and 
find somehow some balance between you and also your partner has to be on board for this because it's also their family's involvement and they have to approve and appreciate uh, what we do especially in these um, these kind of setup i just loved all the creative ways i remember following you shivani and it was in a very tactile way up against you know this massive industry that has been sold to us as you know consumption of another level that there is a way to be thinking about this and it was it seemed like it was quite fun so thank you for sharing it, it was fun also i on that note trishti also got married in feb and she and i share this exact same idea so if trishti maybe you can share something too hi thank you so much prerna for doing this and aisha it's absolutely wonderful to hear everything that you had to say and thank you shivani for unexpectedly <laughs> putting me into this but yes uh i also got married uh, very recently in february and shivani and i again we met through remake and i think it was around the time that we sort of connected that we realized that we were in basically i think the journey and uh, the whole planning phase of the wedding so everything that shivani <laughs> you know said in my own ways i mean things that i think i i, I feel i did well is uh, I didn't wear a lehenga for instance so I married by Sikh faith and I wore a, a suit which is which has a kurta and then it has another bottom uh because I feel they can be deconstructed and I can really wear them and rewear them again on other occasions and also because my size per se has really been changing over the years I of course that I think it made no sense I would have probably grown out of that particular blouse etc all of my clothes in fact are much like Shivani's are all artisan made I went to places in fact Shivani and I used to joke about this it's very um, unlikely I feel for a bride to not be going to the high streets high fashion streets of Delhi I would go to Dastakar and I would go to Delhi Hart where artisans actually come and sell sarees and other uh, you know craft work and I actually picked my chanderis my banarsis from there and I think it was a similar story in terms of gifting I picked up garhwal silks because I think again that's one silk and one craft which is not very well known and I think it was very much appreciated by everyone and again uh, much like shivani's partner i think i'm very lucky that my partner and his family were sort of on board with this and yeah we had a day wedding which meant we did not need extra generators for lighting and yeah many other things this way but yeah thank you so much for sort of giving me this uh, platform to just you know bring out little things that i adopted for the wedding thank you drishti i think there's a magic because we've heard so much of some of the traditional ways of making clothes in our part of the world that really is a dying craft and there's a way to revitalize that but also the stories and narratives that we've shared i'm very emotional being in this conversation because you know being from south asia i had often thought about well why isn't this movement this work rooted just seeing our community grow these are our workers from our part of the world and who better than us to sort of shine a light and and push for the kind of jobs of dignity that we all predominantly as a women centric movement want yes 
Yeah, absolutely. I think this is uh, this is a lovely, lovely note to actually uh, wrap this up on. Yeah, thank you for moderating such a wonderful conversation and looking forward to more conversations like this. If you enjoyed this conversation, don't forget to like, comment and share with your friends. We'll be back with more. Till then, keep it pretty for the planet and for the people who make our clothes. Bye.